Strategic Real Estate Coach is where the nation's leading real estate investors, brokers, and agents turn to transform the way the real estate business is being done in neighborhoods across the nation. If you desire to make more money, do more deals, grow your passive income, and build the lifestyle you've always wanted, you need Strategic Real Estate Coach. This powerhouse team is led by Josh Cantwell, a seasoned investor with nearly a decade of experience, over 500 transactions, and generated over $5.5 million for himself and his partners. Now sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business with the Strategic Real Estate Coach Podcast. All right, hey guys, Josh Cantwell here with the Real Estate Investing Made Easy interview series, and I want to welcome you back to our latest interview. And I'm here today with a good friend of mine, Danil Kleiman. And Danil is a full-time real estate investor, has been for a long time, is a good friend of mine, and uh, and also one of our affiliates. And uh, we're here today to talk about one topic and one topic only, which is generating seller leads. So Danil, welcome welcome to the call. How you doing, my friend? Good, good. to have you back. Yeah, good, good. I think we did this what, about a year ago, so it's fun fun to do it again with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the reason I asked Danil to be here is he's uh, an automation guy. He's done and created a number of softwares to help uh, real estate investors present their offers, whether it's a private money offer or a wholesaling offer, to be able to package that up and offer that uh, either to a private lender or to a wholesale buyer. And Danil also has a, a very robust rental portfolio, and he's a lot like me. He has uh, a list of subscribers and members that follow him, but he's first and foremost a real estate investor and makes most of his money as a real estate investor, much like I do. And so, uh, you know, sometimes I just like to get on the line and kind of kind of spitball with with guys like Danil and just share kind of the latest and greatest ideas of what's working now. So, Daniel, why don't you kind of start with just giving us a little bit of background about your market in particular, the markets that you invest in, and you know how competitive is it out there for you right now? And then we'll jump into some seller marketing strategies. Sure. Well, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and I strictly invest in this local market. I couldn't tell you guys anything about other markets. I focus strictly in my backyard, and I do a lot of heavy rehabs, new construction, so it focusing on my immediate area makes it pretty easy to obviously manage my projects. So, you know, as you mentioned, I primarily hold real estate. I don't really wholesale much. I'm getting ready to build a couple of spec houses and sell them, but primarily my business model is rehab or build new, hold in my rental portfolio, and mainly focusing on downtown Richmond. There's a historical area here that's pretty, pretty neat that I focus most of my efforts on. Awesome. So very niche market um, and very niche strategy, which is great. So you're primarily a buy, fix, and keep guy. So just curious, do you sell uh, some of your properties on rent-to-own, or are you just, just leasing them out and just trying to keep them all long-term, or do you do any kind of owner financing when you sell? Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I, I've traditionally just done rent. I haven't done rent to own lease options. I'm, I, I've got a property now that I'm looking to potentially sell with an option to own, but just because it's a property I'm looking to liquidate most of my portfolio, I want to hang on to it for a while. I want to hang on to it for cash flow. I think the, the areas that I'm buying and they're going to appreciate, so I don't necessarily like the idea of locking up a two or three year option to sell to somebody at today's market value. So most of my stuff I 
renovate really nicely and, and they rent and my time horizon is five, ten years, let's see what happens because I'm primarily targeting areas that are gentrifying pretty rapidly, more so than the overall market. Gotcha. Fantastic. So, you know, you have a lot of experience in owning properties and managing them, building. So if a new investor is out there and, and either sees us on this interview or listens to this, uh, what can you say about maybe some of the horror stories that people perceive that are out there about being a landlord? And how do you overcome any of those kind of horror stories? I own a rental portfolio, and for me, it's pretty hands-off. I have a property manager, and I have a CFO that handles communicating with tenants, um, handles collecting rents. All my units are full. I don't have any problems. I don't get any weird calls at you yeah. know midnight. Um, so what would you say to somebody who is, is thinking about that, and maybe they've been spooked out by some of the horror stories they might have heard? You know, I think most of the horror stories you hear are from people that treat it like a hobby, right? Most most of the horror stories about landlording you hear are from people that buy one or two rentals, they have a full-time job, they don't treat it like a business, and, and things go things go wrong. So if you treat it like a business, you put systems in place, and you take property management seriously. Property management is not a side job. It's not unnecessary evil. Property management is a profit generator. Profit, property management is what accounts for your cash flow. So you need to have really good systems in place. You need to constantly educate yourself about how to do things better. The other issue is the quality of your product largely dictates the quality of your tenant. right? So a lot of the horror stories you hear from people that buy in the ghetto or they under-renovate, and they have a really low-quality product, that's going to attract a low-quality tenant. And low-quality tenants bring major problems. Major headaches. So, you bet. Yeah, so mo most of my portfolio, I either got the property and I create a really nice product. Now I'm doing a lot of new construction where I'm putting in granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, hardwood floors. You know, spending a little bit more money, but I'm attracting a good quality tenant that's going to be around for a few years, that's going to pay me every single time, and all of a sudden managing the properties becomes pretty easy. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, you know, it's like yeah. having good... Just collect checks. Yeah, it's like having good uh, staff members and employees that help you run a business. If you select the right people and you select A players, having employees is easy. Some people tell, oh, I built this big company and I had these employees and it was a big pain in the butt. Well, you probably selected the wrong staff. <laughs> yeah. Um, very similar. Yeah, you probably just didn't put the right steps in place and didn't choose the right people to work with. It's yeah, it's it's just like hiring. It's the same exact thing. I mean, take good care of your product. Screen your tenants properly. And and then all of a sudden Another thing is diversification, right? The horror stories that you hear from people that have, again, two or three rentals, one goes vacant, 33% of your portfolio is now not bringing in income. That's a big deal. Right. But even if you own single families or duplexes, if you start treating them like a portfolio, so let's say you've got 50 duplexes, well, it's really like a 100-unit apartment building. Two units go vacant. You don't look at it like, oh my god, an entire duplex is vacant. You look at it like two units, 2% of my portfolio is vacant. It's not a right. big deal, right? You, right. You've, you've diversified.
so that that's important. That's great. So, Daniel, why don't you just talk to a minute about the 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 difference uh, and maybe the benefits of self management of rentals versus actually hiring a management company? And have you have you done both? And is there a preference for you? I've always managed everything myself, and I actually just last week hired an in-house property manager that's going to be my full-time property manager and leasing agent. So I've always done it myself. It it can be it can be a pain. It's a lot of work, but I've never trusted third-party management companies. That's not to say that there's not really good ones out there. I've just I'm very particular about how I do things, and I didn't want to hire somebody for whom. You know, my portfolio is going to be a third, fourth, fifth, tenth priority. Right. right. So I've always kept it in house and continue to do so. I've hired my first guy. As portfolio gets bigger, I'll hire another person, but we do things our own way. And I get to set the procedures and all the rules in place, and, and they're going to be followed. Or yeah. getting fired. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. We use the guy who helps me manage a lot of my stuff as Dioni, and Dioni's a full time realtor. Um, mm -hmm. And I used to own a real estate brokerage. I recently sold it um, so I could focus more on our private equity stuff. But um, Dioni's a full-time agent, so he's got compensation built in for acquiring a good tenant, getting the tenant moved in. Um, and then, you know, he kind of works with a tenant. If the tenant has problems, they're the first person he calls. They call us him. Um, they send the checks in. Roberto's my CFO, handles collecting the rents, depositing them in the account, paying the mortgages, those kind of things. So we self-manage as well. Um, and, uh, and that's the way to go. Of course, if somebody has one one unit or two units and you, you not really know a lot about screening tenants and, and bringing in the right people, you don't have much, there's great property management companies pretty much in every city, in every you know, every city, every corner of the you United States. You have to do your research. You know, don't, right. don't pick the first company you come across. You know, talk talk to their current clients. Yes. Uh, the flip side is there's a lot of bad property managers out there as well. Yeah, um, there's guys that just don't care. The guys that don't call people back. There's guys that you know take forever to fill a unit. For mm -hmm. sure. And there's no guys that are exceptional. Yeah, and and then you've got to look at it like, are they good at management and leasing, or are they just good at management? Because there there is some out there that are good at management, but they're not that good at leasing. Right. And leasing is what's going to determine how well your property is going to perform, right? Can you get it leased quickly? Can you screen properly? So you've got to look at both, right? You've got to make sure that the management company you hire is also really good at leasing as well. And that's a separate skill set. Right. How about leasing? And Do you have any tips leasing about how do you screen your, your potential uh, tenants? Well, we... We look at everything. We look at past uh, landlord references. We look at credit. We look at criminal checks. We call everybody. So our rental applications are really detailed, and we make sure that they fill the rental applications out thoroughly. And then we talk to everybody. We talk to their employer. We talk to all of their previous landlords that we can get in touch with. We look at their credit. It doesn't mean we need their credit score to be perfect, but we look at the story the credit report tells you, right? Because yeah. somebody may have a 550 score, but you can look at their credit history and you can see, well, they made a mistake five years ago. Maybe they had a bankruptcy, but you can look at their payment history and see, oh, they've been current for the past three years. They're actually responsible. Right. right? So we, we look at all of that. Now that I've got a property manager, I'm actually going to start sending him to the current residence of the applicants 
to see how they're they're living now and check, yeah. Yeah, to, to see what, are they keeping the place up. So he's going to say, well, I can swing through and I can pick up a rental application from you at, at your place, right? And there's a couple excuses that you can use to actually get in and see how they're they're living because that that will right. tell you a big that will tell you a big part of the story. Yeah, people are who they are. They tend not to change, and so however they're living now, wherever they're living, is probably how they're going to live inside of your place when they uh, when they take that over. Yeah, I'll so, I'll rent to somebody with a low credit score. I won't rent to anybody that's ever been evicted before. Um, so there, you just need to set a couple of rules in place. I yeah. do Section Eight, but I won't rent to anybody that doesn't at least have a part-time job, even if they're receiving Section Eight vouchers. There you go. So things like that, that you just need to kind of set some criteria in place for who you want in your properties. Yeah, we say in uh, in our lending and investing business when we lend to our students is that you know we're an asset lender, but we do pull credit because credit is an indicator of character. Mm -hmm. um, you find people that have a one-time situation like you talked about or bankruptcy five years ago or an illness or a death in the family, sickness, divorce, and that one event created a negative credit situation uh, versus somebody who's just a habitual, voluntary, yeah. non-payer of their bills. <laughs> that's just totally irresponsible. Yeah, and, and, and you want to look at their debt load as well, right? The, the credit report will tell you what their debt load is. And you need to look at that because they may be responsible, but they're completely over leveraged. Right. Right. So that that that's a big deal as well. That's something to look at. You got it. Yeah. So Danil, try to sort of flip in the script a little bit into strategies for finding properties. You know, you're you're new construction, so you're obviously looking for land to build spots to build, um, as well as rehab and finding properties to renovate and keep. Um, you know, the market's gotten more competitive. You know, we just had our, you know, State of the Union address from President Obama, whether you like him or hate him. You listen uh, to that? I, I, I watched most of it. It was I watched most of it. I like his optimism. You know, I think, um, I, I thought the part where they were, he said something about I'm not running again, and part of the crowd started clapping that he's not running again, <laughs> and then he fired back. Well, I won my first two. Right, you know, uh, right. I thought that was a, an ex interesting exchange. Um, but you know, whether you like him or, or hate him, the economy is better. There's a lot of crazy things going on in Europe. Uh, there's a, a you know a, a bailout happening basically in Europe that was announced this morning. The United States economy is the best in the world. You know, even China slowed down a lot. We have a mm -hmm. lot to be proud of, you know, after what happened in 2008. And so that's created a real estate market where there's a lot more competition. I'm surprised at how many people I know locally who've gotten into real estate and started buying one property here, one property there, or guys that's that had full-time jobs. Time to get out. No, just, just yeah, kidding. time to get out. <laughs> Usually there's when everyone else is getting in. but yeah. um, Not yet, but that, no, that, that, that time will come. It will. Yeah. It will come. But now, the, you know, the, the, the thing is, you know, People are like, well, there's not a lot of great deals out there because they're looking at properties that are on the market. They're looking at houses in the MLS. So what are some strategies that you're using to find great deals, whether they're on the market or off? So I, I basically ignore MLS for, for the last six months. I mean, you know, we all know when I really started buying in 08, 09, you, you could go on MLS and you could just take have your pick of the deals nobody was buying. It was just beautiful, you know. Right. 
can't do that anymore. I, I haven't bought anything off MLS probably in two, three years at this point. So be, I source a lot of my deals from wholesalers. Um, actually, I closed in two lots yesterday uh, from, from the same wholesaler. Picked up another property last week from a wholesaler as well. So obviously if you're wholesaling and you're listening to this, that's not helpful, but if you're actually developing, if you're buying, if you're flipping, you don't have to do your own marketing. It, it, it's a lot of work. So I source a lot of my deals from other wholesalers. I'm constantly networking, constantly meeting new wholesalers. You know, Some markets will have one or two guys that do 100, 200 deals a year and they're the guys to go to. Right. Other markets are more segmented. So my market now has dozens and dozens of wholesalers that each maybe do a couple of deals a year. So you got to keep up a lot of relationships. Uh, but a huge chunk of my deals is now coming from wholesalers. And I'd much rather pay them a couple of thousand dollars, let them do all the marketing, let them go out, see properties, negotiate with the sellers and just bring me the contract. I mean, that's a no-brainer to me. Right. Um, I'm picking up a few properties here and there from tax auctions. Cool. That's, that's, Tell me that more happens. about that. So that happens twice a year where properties have delinquent taxes on them. And at some point, it takes a long time to work their way through the system, but our local county here auctions off a batch of properties. And you can, you used to be able to get good deals. Now it's it's gotten a lot more competitive. You know, you used to show up to an auction and, and there was maybe 50 people in the room. Now you show up and there's 250. So but I still managed to pick up a deal here and there. I picked up a, an interesting property this past fall that I, I'm going to renovate. It's a duplex. It's going to be a tax credit project. Um, the other thing you can do is you can market to pre-tax pre delinquent, not pre-tax delinquent, but lists of tax delinquent properties that haven't gone to auction yet. That information isn't necessarily always publicly available, but it's public information. So you can get it from your local county. And those are properties that are delinquent, they just haven't gone to auction yet, and that's a great list of people to contact to, to get deals from. It's just like marketing pre you know the properties that are that have mortgages delinquent on them, essentially. Right. So so that that's a good list to target. Uh, I know a lot of wholesalers that are starting to target that list as well. Yeah, so guys that are behind on their um, mortgage not, not behind their mortgage but behind on their property taxes. And last I heard, I've heard this quote a couple different times you know, roughly a third or about 30% of the houses in the U.S. are paid off mm -hmm. with no mortgage, and yet people, for whatever reason, fail to pay their property taxes, which you would think would be a fairly low bill to be able to pay. But, you know, people inherit properties that they don't want, and they just they don't do anything with, you know, mom's old house that they inherited, and a year yeah. goes by, and all of a sudden there's 5000 or $10,000 in property taxes due. And that guy's like, oh no, like, I got to get rid of this this house. I can't just keep it anymore. Yeah, and that's why that list is good. It's all it's often investor properties. It's often inherited properties. It's very rarely owner occupied properties because normally those would have if they have a mortgage, that mortgage company will foreclose first, right? right. Most most owner occupied properties have mortgages on them. Mortgage company escrows the real estate taxes. So when the real estate taxes become due mortgage company will pay off the real estate taxes. So it's very rare that the the list of properties that are tax delinquent will have owner-occupied homes. It's usually going to be investor properties, land, lots that people have bought years ago that they don't need, properties that they inherited. It's a very good list to target. If you're doing your own marketing, I highly recommend mailing to that list. 
That's great. What kind of messaging or what kind of marketing would you send? I, I you know, again, I don't do a ton of my own marketing, but I, I have marketed to this list. I just do either a yellow letter or just a simple, straightforward letter. It doesn't have to be. Everybody's doing yellow letters now. So I, I'm almost going back to just doing regular white typed up letters that look like normal business person wrote it. Right. And it just says, hey, I, I, you know, my letters are simple. I say, hey, I do, you know, I, I'm a local real estate investor. I do, I do a lot of deals in this area. Um, I'm interested in buying your property. Um, for you to sell it is a great way to stop having to pay real estate taxes and maintenance on it. Give me a call. It doesn't. You want to make your mail and almost sound like you're a normal person, right? You don't right. want it to seem like a marketing piece. So. Right. The market, the mail pieces that have worked best for me are just ones where I'm just sound like a normal guy. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago I worked with one of my students who was working on a very like what he thought savvy, very cool, lots of very unique copy copywriting, um, and I helped him edit it. And I was very skeptical about how it would turn out. And yeah. he thought the more slick the copy, the better result. And it was how did it turn out? It was the exact opposite. It was like the more savvy, more you know, better copywriter you could hire, the mm -hmm. lower your return on investment. And uh, when he got his results back, he's like, "Yeah, Josh, you were right." You know, and that's just not one of those spots where it's you know, just if you're interested in selling, I have cash, I can buy. Pretty straightforward. Give me a buck. Yeah, you you just you just want to sound like a normal person that's trying to help them out of their situation, right? I mean, and and a bunch of times I don't. Even mention the fact that I know that they're they have delinquent taxes, right? Because they may get kind of spooked. Hey, how how does he know that? So my letters are usually generic. If you're interested in selling your property, it's a great way to you know stop paying real estate taxes, stop paying having to pay a landscaper. Why keep it? It's just costing you money every year, you know. And that's right. worked really well for me. Love it, love yeah. it. So a couple cool, quick hitting strategies from Danil. Uh, you know, go go network with your wholesalers. Find anybody who's got a bandit sign, a We Buy Houses sign, and add a Craigslist ad in your area. Make friends with all of them. Let them source properties. Uh, the delinquent property tax list uh, again is a great way. Tax mm -hmm. auctions he mentioned is a great way. Um, that's fantastic. So, um, Daniel, as we wrap up, one of the things I love about what you do with your clients and your subscribers is you just you're such a giver. You give away tons of content. Uh, you send out emails on a regular basis with videos and interviews and content right. and blog posts. Just just tons and tons of material. You're not always, uh, of course, you sell things and have different offers and programs. But out of everybody that I know, you probably give the most and give away the most content. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of my subscribers would love getting in contact with you and being on your email uh, list so they could get all that free content. So what's a what's a good place for them to go to maybe download a free report from you or download um, some sort of mini course? Uh, what kind of website? How could, how could they contact you? The best place to go would probably be to get a copy of our free software. So if they go to www.rehabvaluator.com, so it's R-E-H-A-B. V-A-L-U-A-T-O-R, rehabvaluator.com. There's a free software that we give away that lets you calculate offers and calculate how profitable your, your wholesale deals will be or your fix and flips or your buying holds. And it's a pretty cool piece of software that can actually do a lot of things for you.
So and Lots. then that gets you on my email list, and then I send out a bunch of case studies and um, from deals that I'm doing and a bunch of other content. So there, there's there's a lot there. Awesome, awesome. Want to know? Thanks a lot for uh, joining me today. I really appreciate yeah, it, my friend. I always enjoy it. Thanks, Josh. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon next time on the Real Estate Investing Made Easy Interview Series and Podcast. Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon. You were just listening to Josh Cantwell and the Real Estate Investing Made Easy podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next, who you'd like Josh to interview, or if you just want to share some of your success or even horror stories in real estate. And maybe we'll talk about it on our next show. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure you subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and Strategic Real Estate Coach on Facebook and Twitter. And definitely check out all of our awesome free training videos at youtube.com slash SREC video. Do you want to find out how you can quit your job in 90 days or less flipping real estate? Go to strategicrealestatecoach.com right now to learn how we can help you attract endless free leads, profit rich deals, and consistent cash. That's strategicrealestatecoach.com. Thanks for listening.